This episode's brought to you by the worst of 2016, because we can't let go of the past just yet. We're angry that way. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Last King Podcast. I'm Mr. Toffee and this is Dr. Shafiq right here. How are hello, you doing, hello, man? Hello. Yes, uh, recording to you, coming to you live. Live, even, very, very from live. From the Last King Space Station. <laughs> banished. We're finally the, in orbit. Banished from the planet Mediocre to make sure uh, to play every single goddamn video game in existence and watch every movie and listen to every piece of music. Oh, uh, well. Okay, Mr. Toffee, in our last episode, we mentioned about some of the most bummer news of all time which is like celebrity deaths yeah please catch and, like, that please catch that if you're in a very happy mood because that will probably put <laughs> your smile upside down but yeah. let's bring back the moroseness let's keep it nice and like you know sad and melancholic I think after our best of 2016 episode with um, Michaelo shout out to the Power 9 podcast yes shout out to those guys we got to do the worst of 2016 okay it's our only right as you know internet nerds yep. and people with a voice to kind of also voice out on the things that really sucked about 2016. Totally, totally. But before that, I'd like to give a bit of a shout out to the revival of this Singaporean esports team called Team Flash. Oh, tell me more. Alright, so right after two years of absence from these guys, Team Flash returns. Back in 2010 to 2014, these guys have been playing a lot of esports stuff like League of Legends, Dota 2, I believe also StarCraft 2 at the time, Wings of Liberty, you know that period? Any Overwatch? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 that, that, has, that wasn't even out yet, man. <laughs> You're thinking we way call it first, too much in the future, man. Alright, okay, this was before Project Titan even, when Project yeah. Titan was around. Anyway, oh, leading man. the team is uh, Terence Ting and Andrew Tobias, a former comms manager for NVIDIA in Indonesia. So according to a recent press uh, these guys sent us, this team, widely regarded as Singapore's leading esports team from 2011 to 2014, Flash Esports returned as Team Flash, an esports influencer and news media agency based in Singapore and Indonesia. Team Flash would also be working closely with Garena in 2017. Asia's leading consumer internet platform provider valued at, wow, okay, that's a big number, 2.5 billion. Billion Singaporean. Or was it US? 2.5 billion Singapore? Not no, 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 US, yeah. US. If wow. it's like a dollar sign by default, US. it's US. Yeah, as of March 2015. So, so I mean, like, finally, nerds can say, check it out, mom, and finally earning money playing video games. Playing it's a video thing games now. real, real good. All that it's high a career scores, now. Taking God pictures of my it. high scores on like a CRTV with, a, <laughs> with those disposal cameras. Totally worth it, mom. Man, if only I had kept on the esports train. I mean, I started playing Quake back in '97. I had a serious clan. I, we were seriously taking fine tournaments. I, even my minor, small, like third strike tournament run. Hey, who says you can stop? I mean, you, if you still play Quake, Quake Con is around the corner, dude. You just gotta. Oh, wow, yeah, get I'm looking forward up, to that. Know? No, I'm looking forward to Quake Con and the announcement of Quake Champions or whatever new thing. Oh my is. god, that is going I to mean, be a hype game, dude. Quake Champions. If they, if Bethesda did the same thing with Doom last year, 
they're gonna kick it up with Quake Champions. I hope. I really hope. I ho- I hope so too. Because the thing is, I'm a little bit worried because in the current climate of like games like Overwatch or Battlefield One, I mean even Doom. Doom has a multiplayer game, but I would it's safe to say it's not as competitive as maybe like the Quake Live you know scene, and like Quake Champions aims to refresh that aims to bring a new quake to the multiplayer the ter- the the arena shooter guys and like i mean like it'll be such a throwback if they nail it but at the same time i'm kind of worried no because i mean i think, or- I think it can i think it can i'm very hopeful because as overwatch and doom has showed us you can take a colorful shooter with like um arcadey <laughs> mechanics and bring it on home i mean overwatch itself you don't have to worry so much about getting prone and all that. You just got to worry about how your character works with other characters and you can switch dudes back and forth. Quick, you can bring that back. Just make sure that you make the scene big. Bethesda can do that. They have the money to do that. They have Quake Con for crying out loud, right? They can do I it. I mean, yeah, that's a thing forever. I mean, like, it's partly it's just put together. I mean, the thing about Quake Champions, right, is like, what I've seen from the current releases is like it's got a very strong Overwatch vibe mm-hmm. in a sense where like it's gonna be hero based or class based. It's not gonna be like a traditional quick game where it's basically weapon based, aim based, skill based. But I mean, we can only wait and see. You know, I mean, I I don't want to uh, how you say assume too many things but at the same time eh, i don't want to also hedge my bets too i mean i really want to see the quake series come back yeah yeah come back in the best way possible because we need arcade shooters if doom and wolfenstein the new orders of any indication arcadey mm-hmm. kind of shooters where you're allowed to carry a second version a second a second uh, two guns two guns at one shot you know but I mean, like, speaking of Bethesda, right, okay, they dropped Doom, they dropped Fallout. Shouldn't this be the year of the Elder Scrolls game? Shouldn't there be an Elder Scrolls announcement as well? Well, they already did last year. It was actually um, the Elder Scrolls Online, the one Tamriel mode. Basically, you can play like an old Elder Scrolls game. Nothing is locked as long as, you know, you can, as long as, as, long as you can reach it, it's, it's good for you. You can go there. There's no level cap for which area you get to go to. You're level 1, you can go to a level 50 area if you want. At your own peril, of course. Yeah, but I think what the guys and basically the internet is waiting for is like, you know, Skyrim Part 2 or Elder Scrolls 6, wherever that's going to take place. Well, that won't happen anytime soon because they already have Elder Scrolls Online. They're building on that. It had a shitty launch, don't get me wrong, but they actually... It went went free-to-play very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, and it actually works. The the free-to-play system actually worked. The game is still doing healthily. You know, I actually got some shit from a lot of people, especially from the publishers, because um, I kind of decried that Elder Scrolls, you need to go free to play. You're not going to do the whole... Uh, you're not Square Enix, you're not you're not uh, Blizzard, you're not allowed to charge people a monthly fee. Unless you're those two companies, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They did the free to play thing, and I think that guy's probably kicking his pants right now. Well, I just hope that I mean I'm, I'm kind of looking for, hoping for an Elder Scrolls 6 but then, then this is the world after Witcher 3 mm-hmm. so they got a lot to kind of go up against now because that is a, a genre defining everyone like, remembers giant Witcher RPG. 3 everybody remembers Witcher 3 Witcher 3 is now in the same echelon as like the GTA series where it's like this is how this game is supposed to be done so I don't know man I mean Skyrim is still working off the Havoc engine and the Havoc engine like you know I mean I love the fact that you can mod the hell out of it, but at the same time, it's going to start showing its age pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'd rather they just take the sweet time doing it because uh, Skyrim probably took three, four years to make. Fallout 4 took a lot of years to make. Um, Morrowind as well. Um, 
one Oblivion. Other, uh, what's that? Uh, Oblivion, Oblivion also took ages to, to Skyrim. Oblivion also took ages. Opinion. I don't know, I, I actually prefer Snow. Maybe that's why I like Skyrim a lot more. And plus I get to support Vikings and shit. Speaking of snow-capped mountains... <laughs> oh, yes. Maybe this um, is our segue time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get to the worst games of 2016, let's talk about this other game we actually got. Steep. What do you think of it, Shafiq? Steep put me to sleep. No, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, here's the thing. Um, I have no frame of reference for games like this at all. I mean, when I when we got the review copies, and I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, it's outside of my genre. I'm more of a shooter, RPG, like uh, like fighting game kind of guy. I mean, I don't ignore the sports games, or I don't ignore like the extreme sports games. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Tony Hawk series. And like, okay, when I mentioned I had no frame of reference, uh, I'd need to... Uh, Kind of say, my only frame of reference is the SSX Tricky series, which yes. I used to play back on the classic Xbox. And those games were fun, but unfortunately, like, here's the thing. Why I don't enjoy games like SSX Tricky, right, is like, it's all based on runs. You only have one shot from the top to the bottom. There's no, how you say, replayability in the sense where if you mess it up halfway, you can just redo the trick or redo, like, the line you were doing. I mean, like, I want to compare this to a game like Skate. Or maybe even like any of the Tony Hawk games where you were planning a line and then if you mess up somewhere, you can just walk back to where you started and, and redo. continue from there, right? Or you can just hit that main, that one area that you keep messing up in and they just practice over and over again oh, and dude, then incorporate that into your line. Then you should have liked Steve because you can do that for all your runs um, from your snowboarding, from your skiing to your paragliding and your wingsuit adventures. You can actually go back to the line. You just have to press the mountain button, you zoom out, you just click yeah, on that blue then line. Then do the binoculars. Go thing. back yeah, again, but, yeah. But here's, here's the thing. Like, when I play a game like Steep, right? It's like, okay, it's not, say, trying to be realistic. Or it's not. <laughs> no, trying to, it's not. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it can be a bit, it can be a bit wacky, a bit, like, over the top. But at the same time, it's like, maybe it's because I'm not a fan of these kind of e uh, extreme sports. Like, I understand the exhilaration of going down a mountain on a snowboard or flying through the air, like, you know, trying to avoid rocks and trees in a wingsuit. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, I'm not even a fan of the actual sport. So, like, playing a simulation of it really didn't, how do you say, I wouldn't say it grabbed my attention. I mean, it was kind of fun at first, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it just it did not attract me even more than it should. Hey, I mean, I the thing about the game, what I really like is like, these mountains, these vistas, especially when you like go into your snapshot kind of like, you know, take a picture mode, right? Gorgeous, very well done. Oh my nice, god, nice yes, job. yes. Like, this looks great. The sky, you know? like, goes going down, the places, the snow itself, like, how thick it is and everything. I mean, like, like, the even powder. how the sunlight, like, kind of like, you know, uh, disperses through the trees and all that. Like, oh, this looks pretty. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't really care about winter sports or like, stuff like this, but. I, mean, I can see the potential in it, but at the same time, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe to me, it you, felt like you, you a tech actually, demo. You actually brought up a really good word, good, good word there, uh, potential. Because that's what this game is about when it first came out. It's actually supposed to be one of those games where it comes out, there's going to be more updates coming in within the coming months or so. Like, mm. the last experiment Ubisoft did for this was The Crew. That came out last, last year. It came out to like very little fanfare, but... The game started building itself up with cars and new roads, everything. And honestly, I don't know what happened to the game after that. So I believe Snow, uh, Steep, is what is is the next experiment for this. 
and from what I've played so far, i played like 6 hours of this, it's not bad. I will compare this more to... I want to say this old game for the PlayStation, Downhill Domination, have you heard oh, of this? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> except instead of mud, it's snow. And yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of doing one run really quick, you actually can repeat it, like I mentioned before. You can actually get to go back to where you messed up, and then you go, you repeat it again and over and over. The retry, the retrying, and everything is so fast. Everything goes by like a snap. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. I mean, especially when it comes to a game where, like, I like the fact that the controls are simple, or at least, um, I would even say minimal. I would just say that there was. I, 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 we've been saying this word too many times, but yes, it's super streamlined. Yes, like up, it's streamlined. Down, left, right. I mean, like, you know, you want to spin to the left, just hold left or whatever. You want to jump, just, you know, hit the jump at the very edge of the ramp. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I want it to be a bit more gonzo, if you understand what I'm saying. It's oh, like, you mean like I'm, a tr- SSX tricky kind of gonzo, is it? I'm saying, I'm not talking more like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 gonzo, where mm. it's like, you know, I would, there was like moments when I'm like riding down the mountain, I'm thinking if only there were like collectibles that mm. I could just like form my line around. Or if only there was like, you know, weird little animations or little triggers that, you know, like say if I go over a certain like, you know, mound or whatever and then like a grizzly bear jumps up, like, oh, yeah, that'll be so like. Oh, okay. Like, if I hope you listen to this much. because these, these are ideas you can put in and like the next update and the following updates because right now, there isn't much to do apart from getting points from, you know, skiing really good or snowboarding really good and just jumping around and getting near misses and going down as fast as you can. Apart from that, it can actually get really old. But I understand yeah. the business model for this game because it's supposed to be like those online persistent games where it gets better over time despite having a $60 fucking price tag. Yeah, or that, less than that even. It the most. Because mm. the thing is, like, if you divide it into the three types of sports you can play, right, it's $20 for each. And like, I'm not saying that it lacks content, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's the same fucking mountain most of the time. Like, same four or five places. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. It's fun to play. But yeah, your, lo- your longevity for this game really depends on how well Ubisoft supports it for the next four or five months. It's actually following the plan like how they did for the crew. So... Mm-hmm. I can't really give a rating right now, but I've had fun of it, but please impress me within the next 2-3 months because right now, I'm kind of done at the moment and that's kind of dangerous for, for yeah. a game like Steep. I would say like, I'm not done with it, but I mean, it's kind of like one of those games where you leave installed in your like machine and then it's like, once in a while you play like maybe 15-20 minutes of it just to pass the time. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, when you don't feel like playing another game or you, you're, you're at a, like you're, you just come back from work and your mind doesn't want to like overthink or like, you know, stress out too much. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. very nice chill out, waste time kind yeah, of game. Yeah, yeah, I kind of get that vibe as well too. Yeah, but for, I guess for that price tag, yeah, sure, tag, well. if you like snowboarding, yeah, go ahead. Um, but just remember what you're getting yourself into. This is a long-term investment and if you saw such charging stuff in the future, yeah, that's a death, that's a death sentence for the game already. <laughs> they might. I mean, they're they're big enough to do that, unfortunately. But I mean, like, do you have any idea of what the current numbers are with this game? Mm, I mean, is it doing very well? Not, I don't at, think so, right? not that I know of, no. Um, prior to actually recording this, I've only just jumped out of the game so far after a few days or so. But beyond that, no, I've actually been going back to Street Fighter ever since. Oh, wow, you're, <laughs> you're on that season 2. Yeah, I'm on now. that bandwagon, yeah, yeah. And that's also, like, it's not just Ubisoft that's doing that. We can't just fault them, I mean, or even, like, put 
you know, like, just mark them for that. Every other company's doing this whole long-term plan, you know, like, oh, we're going to have this game out. We're going to have free updates, sort of, and then next season sorta. and season after that, we kind of <laughs> need more money for that. Like, so, when we need money, then we'll start charging or we yeah, start, yeah. or we finally implement the patches you've been asking for. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, I maybe have, I may have to wait a while before I see my grizzly bear attack in yeah. steep, I guess. You know which company did a better job at this? We were talking about these guys, um, CD Projekt, The Witcher 3. Like, like wait one year they yeah. spoiled the market so hard yeah yeah right? they, they just have to wait three. one year okay we have a really big expansion pay up and then we get some free shit in between you know god damn look even if you bought the season pass right it's worth it you yeah, know yeah. I mean like, like the fucking even blood and wine it's it's own game yeah it blood feels... and wine is basically like a big expansion dude like Tucson is bigger than some continents in Witcher 3 exactly and it's like it's a different world it's like even the graphics are rendered differently it feels like i'm playing a s- sort of a sequel or like maybe back in the old days like remember the expansion pack mm-hmm. where they would sell you a second game that was just half the size of the other game but it just <laughs> yeah. added to it. you know yeah. that's what it felt like to me it felt yeah. so old school in a way like oh it's a second story or yeah. like a spin-off a that, spin-off you know, that's pretty big for a spin-off you know i like that. i mean like i would say like the only thing that came close to that was probably Far Cry Blood Dragon mm. we're like oh hey this is a kind of a different game it's its own thing and it works by itself you don't need to have the other f- you don't have to have the main Far Cry game to enjoy Blood oh, I love the cutscenes of those games and everything with the laser the raptors type <laughs> thing oh, yo man. when they got fucking the, the song from uh, what was it Miami Connection mm. Friends Forever that blew my mind when I saw and what I heard. And Michael Biehn did the voice, right? He's from Aliens, was it? The original Kyle Reese. Yes, oh, that guy. Yeah. The, the only true Kyle Reese. Fuck the rest, man. <laughs> Fuck Jai Courtney trying to beat Kyle Reese. Fuck Genesis. Wait. Fuck Genesis. Oh, goddamn. Not Sega yeah. Genesis, Terminator Genesis. With, With a Y. y. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Alright, speaking of worse stuff, good segue, oh. by the way. Shall we go straight into it? Oh, yeah. I guess we need to preface this, right? Okay, we came off with uh, the best of 2016 episode featuring our friend Michael Lowe. Shout out to the Power Night Podcast. Follow them on their Twitters and on their YouTube and stuff. whatever. Good stuff. And then the thing is, like, you know, after the previous episode where we were kind of like, you know, wallowing in the depths of the dis- of despair of all the th- of people we've lost, right? I think we also need to kind of do the, the essential recap to 2016. 
on the negative side. We so, need we need to do the worst stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we, we, is... we've covered joy for the best stuff. We've covered yes. um, depression, which is the previous episode. And now no, we're going to cover anger. anger. Full anger, on rage. Vile, <laughs> disappointment, rage. <laughs> Mr. Toffee in rage mode. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. Let's get aggro with this. Because okay. the thing is, this is, a new this is a new year. It's 2017. Trump's in the goddamn White House. <laughs> You know, cats oh, and dogs yep. living together, total chaos. <laughs> Mass hysteria, yo. Mass, Mass hysteria. hysteria. I mean, okay, so, I mean, we've been shitting on a lot of things the last year, okay? I mean, Suicide Squad, Ghostbusters, Batman v Superman. God oh damn, I watched <laughs> I hated that movie so much. You know, but it's like, you know, I mean, I think maybe what we need to do is kind of like ask each other, like, do they still suck? Yes, they do. Yes, okay, they do. <laughs> not so much Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is more like, meh, you know. Is a is a big meh to you? It's like a five. It's still a meh. It's not terrible. It's not good. It's like Sony's just Sony, right? Sony's just doing yeah, this Sony. for the sake of putting women in Ghostbusters, which is an admirable I thing. I wouldn't blame Sony. I blame more Paul Feig. You know, like fuck that guy. Seriously. <laughs> I really no. wish they did like a pass the torch kind of story, but nope. This is an entirely new story, new canon, new timeline, whatever. Which still doesn't make sense. Okay, uh, as of recording this podcast, has there been has Ghostbusters hit home media yet? No, not yet. Not, not even not a Blu-ray. Not even like a like. Not even does it has it even appeared on Netflix yet? I mean, um, I'll still stand by my my previous decision. If you want a sequel to Ghostbusters, play the game. Play the it game. was actually <laughs> out for two bucks. On Steam a few days ago, that was good. You know, I, <laughs> man, I bought it and gifted it to people. No, no, not the one in, not the one this year, not the one in 2016, the one that came out in 2010. Don't get it confused with the shitty one. Oh, the the twin stick shooter. Yeah, the twin stick one was a piece of shit. Um, get the yeah, get the Gears of War, time. get the Gears of War Ghostbusters. That's good. Get get the one with the original lineup. Yes. Okay. Okay. Rest in peace, Harold Ramis. Okay. And wait, we still have Bill Murray. We still have Dan Aykroyd. Yep. What do you think is the next to go amongst all of Oh them? my god, this is such a morbid... I, I, thought, have... I thought we were on anger, we're not I'll on depression, dude. I'll just call it right now, Ernie Hudson will outlive the other guys. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, I mean, if I had to choose, Dan Riker has got to go. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the all hype, no bite kind well, of guy. What's he honestly? doing now? I mean, unless, of course, he manages to get some money together and put together like another Blues Brothers movie. He's with... probably pimping I... for a third Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> As, I mean, if the, like, as if 2000 didn't do enough damage to the brand already. Because the, here's the thing, John Goodman's still alive. Okay? <laughs> Don Cheadle, was Don Cheadle the guy in the... Yeah, I think he was. He played the cop who became a third, the, the other blues brother, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, I can't really recall. Sorry, I don't think all black guys look the same. That was a fucking kid who wrong... was a blues brother. What the fuck was up with that movie? No, but hey, props to Blues Brother 2000 for introducing me to Kenny Wayne Shepard. Probably one of my favorite blues guitar white guys of all time. Uh, right, right. But... John Goodman, I mean, John Goodman is like one heart attack away from leaving us as well. <laughs> and the last thing I saw him was in 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was not great, but not bad either. It's like he, can play, those... he can play a menacing guy and he can also play a good guy. I mean, I remember him from the Flintstones. I remember him from Big Lebowski. I know, why the hell did I bring up Flintstones? But anyway, fuck it. It's still good stuff. This is good stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Then I, I mean, Bill Murray, Bill Murray, I think he had the career he wanted. He, he's on bonus time right now. You know, I mean, he's just trudging around New York doing whatever the hell he wants. Right? Yeah, he's got all that Ghostbusters money, Lost in Translation money, a Groundhog Day money too. <laughs> even know. like, I mean, I mean Scrooge like, even money. 
I mean, even in his mid-career, like, even his Jim Jarmusch era, like, you know, all the smaller films, right? You know, that'll, like, you know, that'll keep him busy for a while. I don't yeah, know what Jim yeah. Jarmusch is doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Me too. No yes, idea. please. Play the... That is the, the true sequel to Ghostbusters. That third movie. Yeah. Alright, so, yeah, Batman vs. Superman was still pretty bad. It's still after terrible. Repeated, after repeated have, viewings. Have you seen it again after the, the last time we reviewed it? I did. Still bad. I kind of hate it a little bit more. Like, some things could have just been wrapped up really quick. But, nope, they just dragged on. I mean, I like Wonder Woman, but that's about it. Nope, nope. Suicide Squad, I watched it second, third time on DVD. Have you DVD. seen the so-called, the re-cut edition? When no, more I actually got, like, the regular edition. I didn't see any director's cut, apparently. Was it's, it still fun to you? Uh, I guess your, your opinion about Will Smith was right. I, like... That's not Deadshot. That's Will Smith being cool. That's Will being Smith Deadshot. being himself. Yeah. But, but he's so entertaining. That's He's probably the only good thing about the film. And also Margot Robbie as... She might be a walking, talking punchline, but sure, why not? I mean, it beats the rest of the fucking movie, honestly. I would say the star of the movie was Margot Robbie's hot pants. That's about it. Oh, oh, and uh, Viola <laughs> Davis. Oh, sorry, sorry. Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. Yes, yes. She's all right. As, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, as Amanda Waller, she's gonna kill off people anyway. So, but that, that still doesn't make sense. Why would she kill those guys in an office? The way I, I see I mean, it, you know, pe- pe- they do too much. I guess. I mean, that's what we're supposed to buy into the whole thing. But then, when you think about it further and further, yeah, it actually opens out a lot more plot holes per se. A lot of plot holes, yeah. especially not just but that I mean, scene anyway. But I mean, here's another thing, right? Remember how everybody reeled against the uh, Suicide Squad movie for being a movie that was edited by committee. Where it was recut by like the guys who did the trailer, mm-hmm. and it was had sh- like stuff reshot, mm-hmm. and then like how that for a while became like the death knell for a lot of movies that were coming out. Yep, yep. And then Rogue One happened, and they're like, yeah, it was. We didn't ma- It didn't matter. Like the editing by committee actually made the movie whatever it was supposed to be. Yeah. And whatever it is now, like, it's still enjoyable. So like you can't default people or like films anymore for like having to go through reshoots because I mean like if you ask any like film fan or even like. Even if you listen to like Kevin Smith's podcast, right? You know, like and he, he, every time he mentions it, yeah, reshoots are a thing. It's they not, will always happen. Yeah, it, it always it, happens. It will, there will always be reshoots. There will always be coverage. There will always be a need to kind of fill in the gaps that the director or the script, or even like when you put when you piece a movie together and then you look at it and like, well, there's stuff that we need to kind of like set up properly, or we need to re-explain, or we need to kind of highlight. So it's like, yeah, I mean, like, I hope in 2017, like, the whole reshoot or movie is in trouble. What, what's going to happen? Like, that's like, you know, like, come on, man. We, we've, we're smarter than that. We no more excuses. It. Like, it's all up yeah. to the script and your direction. If those two things suck, no amount of recuts or any amount of recuts won't save or destroy your film. It's always it has, yeah, the root the of the original problem. Idea, yeah, if the original idea or the original director or the, the, the original direction yeah. was like, you know, saw in the first place, then yeah, you know, things will be fine. I mean, like, okay, but speaking of movies that are currently in trouble, okay, have you heard news about Ben Affleck's Batman? Like he may not do it or he may not want to be associated with Batman? Is that the issue? I think the issue is like, it may... It's in it's in pro, it's having problems because I think they can't get a story together that'll make sense. What you can make a story about Batman? You've got so many villains. You've got like okay, maybe Two Face, Mad Hatter. You can make Doctor um, Hugo, right? Hugo Strange, yeah. You've got the Egg Guy. <laughs> I know I'm taking all the Batman sixties villains. Um, Calendar Man, you, you Mister Zaz, Man Bat. I mean, 
There's so many of Mr. Freeze, the serious version, not Arnold Schwarzenegger version. Mr. But Freeze, here's the problem. He, you, you, it kind of has to tie in with the so-called the the as of yet to be confirmed DC cinematic universe. You can. Justice League. <sighs> no, because the thing is, they rebooted Joker, and the thing is, it the the rebooted Joker was very polarizing. You know, some people liked it for some reason, and like guys like me and the rest of people. Yeah, with I don't like it. Realize like this is terrible. <laughs> kind of monster is... Joker trying too hard, but no, you've kind of failed. A for effort, but no. dude, it got even more ridiculous when Jared Leto appeared as the Joker in the Skrillex and Rick Ross. Uh, what purple Lamborghini video? <laughs> oh my Have god! Have you seen that garbage? Oh my god! What the fuck was that? Jared Leto has more screen time in that music video than he does in the Suicide Squad <laughs> movie, and it's a terrible hip hop EDM song. Like ah oh god! And you got Jared Leto to do this? I mean, like how desperate for work is he? I mean, he used to be one of our our best new young actors. Yeah, you know? yeah, Requiem for a Dream, um, Fight Club. You Fight know, Club, yes. Even that movie where he plays the guy who shot John Lennon, John Lennon which I can't recall right now. There was also a Dallas Bias Club. He is a good transvestite or crossdresser. One Dude, of those. urban legend, yo. Oh. Jared Leto was the bomb. <laughs> okay, okay, bad movie, yes. <laughs> I mean, it was a shitty movie, but like, you know, hey, Jared Leto acting his ass off. Well mm. done, kid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Um, the way I see it, yeah, you've got so many Batman villains you can actually make, you can actually put inside this DC cinematic universe that anyone can fight. Dude, Justice League, the, the cartoon, they've done this. They've taken villains from the Batman animated series and put it inside. Why could why can't they do that for the cinematic universe? It's not it's easy to do. These people have the keys and everything. I guess they're just not good filmmakers. Is that the is that the issue? <sighs> yeah, but they're great television creators, though, DC. Oh yeah, the, the CW, CW universe. universe. They can do that! Come on, even the TV shows are doing a much better job in incorporating everyone inside these universes better than the fucking movies. That's Mind-boggling, dude. Very mind-boggling. I mean, like, so, okay, hard, like, let's discount everybody from the Suicide Squad. Like, and then we have to also discount Joker. Mm-hmm. Who would be the villain you want to see? Do you want to do it like a, like a, we want them to redo the racial ghoul kind of stuff? Why not do just want... do Riddler? Dude, have you seen, you read Zero Year, right? In, uh, that's called Snyder, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Riddler was badass in that one, in a sense, in a way. A legit Riddler, yeah, like, a legit not, Riddler. not even the lame Riddler from Gotham. <laughs> no, 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 the one that he just he will cut you up. That's and a terrible show that came out in 2016. Yeah, Gotham. The, oh the less said, the better about that show. Yeah. Oh my, uh, but yeah, you know, shout outs to Will Smith's wife mm-hmm. for being part of the DC universe as well, <laughs> in a way. You know, Fish Mooney. Uh, don't forget Court of Owls. Um, maybe the question can actually make a guest appearance. I who knows. Batwoman was technically a villain at one point before she turned good. Which bad woman? <laughs> uh, you, got a, you, got, you, got a, you got a good point there. I think I remember what you're talking about. Yo, the one who was lesbian. Doing? I remember she was. Oh, oh was, was she? Not was she like sort of anti hero right? in a sense? <laughs> one of them was an anti hero at one point, if I recall. Oh, is the one who. Is it the one who later became the huntress? Or was. Oh, there's so many bad women. Shit. Dude, like, fuck. Just, just do a. Just. Do a Batman movie, Ben Affleck. We yeah, trust you. Yeah, okay. yeah. You will pick a good villain. Trust Have me. the sensibility you had in the town and Argo, and then make a Batman movie around that. Okay, mm-hmm. do the, what Christopher Nolan did. Use your own skill and your own ability and your own aesthetic, and just tell a story involving a guy who dresses like a bat and beats up people at night. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I mean. It can't be worse than BVS. <laughs> That's all I can say. I, I would know? say either do something on Mr. Freeze or do something using Manbat. Because Manbat, you know the whole story where he's trying to 
he, he's a scientist who's trying to do good and it ends up becoming mm. the thing he hates and shit. That, that's a good antithesis point thing, you know. It can but form. do you think they'll be a bit too early to introduce the mutant? Like the... If you can make it look good, it doesn't matter, honestly. It's an editing story at the very least. I mean, they kind of pulled off Killer Croc. I mean, they kind of established that in this universe, there are half-man, half-animal kind of you know, hybrids. Yeah. Killer Croc could be bigger, but yeah. Yo, I mean, even if budget is a problem, fucking bring the Alice in Wonderland characters, you know? <laughs> fucking do a Manhattan show. Yeah, okay, Manhattan you don't have to pay royalties too. for yeah, that. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, Batman on LSD or, you know, wearing the VR goggles and then he ex- imagines all this Alice in Wonderland shit. It will work. It can work. Okay, uh, but do you know who I want to see proper? Who? I want to see a proper Two-Face. Mm, Two-Face, yes, yes. Two-Face is one of my favorite characters in the Batman universe. I love and that was... Batman animated episode. The one where it's like a two or three-parter. Oh, it was a two-parter, if I recall. Basically his origin story, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And we Make, actually get to see Harvey Dent before he became Two-Face, which was good. Because I, I was really disappointed in The Dark Knight. Like, Aaron Eckhart pulled off a very intriguing Two-Face, I mean, a version of Two-Face. He was Harvey Dent. He was a better Harvey Dent than Two-Face. I would say, I mean, he was a passable Two-Face, but the thing is, it was redeeming in a sense compared to like Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face mm-hmm. where he's basically just hamming it up, doing a Jack Nicholson and just overacting things. Yeah. So like, but the thing is, think of the dynamic of a character, like, if you want to talk about a Batman movie, what has never been properly addressed is the duality of Batman. Mm. Because usually you'll see him rest as Bruce Wayne and then he'll uh, take action as Batman. But you don't really kind of like focus on the conflict between a man who has two distinct personalities. You know, the schizophrenia of it all. And then you have somebody who will like, you know, who represent the negative version of that, which is Harvey Dent, who is, you know, who used to be like a, a goody two-shoes, a good guy. And then, like you know, he's also like after after the accident. I mean, I don't I don't know how they're gonna portray the accident mm-hmm. or how he becomes two faced, right? Th- th- that duality, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You know how you have to make and how he is uh he is the true agent of chaos because he makes decisions based on the flip of a coin. Yeah, yeah, that works. That totally works. I mean, like I mean, I can think of a few actors I would love to play a modern two face. You know, who I think would pull it off. I even have I even have an idea. You know. Like, like somebody like Ryan Gosling could be a very good Two Face to yeah, go up yeah, against, like you know, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. Or uh, if you want to get like a slightly older gentleman, right? I would probably say, I don't know. I mean, like, I would like to see Tom Cruise do it. Tom Cruise pulls off crazy schizophrenic guy, and, <laughs> naturally. and also the kind of guy just nice. <laughs> he is he he he's the kind of guy who who like when you see him go crazy, like I mean, like you just look at the Scientology videos when he just laughs like that. It's like. Yeah, you should be a Batman villain, bro. <laughs> You're already an actor, you know. Just shoehorn your way into that. I mean, we don't need any more Mission Impossible movies, aka like Jack Reacher, which is obviously other Mission Impossible movies. Like he's just giving himself work. Okay, I'm trying to think of other shitty movies that I've seen. Okay, let's something... remind okay. you. How about? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, let's go. Okay, Jungle Book. I won't say it's terrible. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just. Okay, it's a step up from the cartoon movie, which is good. But there's more or less, why are people praising this movie like it's like the second coming of Disney or whatnot? It's okay. I mean, the kid actor, the voice of Shere Khan was great. Um, Baloo, that, Bill Murray is Baloo, all that. That was fine. It's just a passable movie. It's I won't say it's like groundbreaking or whatnot. It's just okay. That's it, Have meh. You- are you paying attention to the hype that is the live action, the inevitable live action version of Beauty and the Beast starring? I will reserve Emma judgment. Watson? Uh, Emma Watson, yes. 
I will Hermione reserve judgment until I see the movie. Yes, Hermione is Belle. An oh, English man. woman playing a French woman. Now that's not unusual actually in this day and age. Eh. <laughs> the way right. I see it, okay, another bam. Okay, I guess Tarzan was pretty bad. The one that came out last year. It was Snow more like enhancement. Yeah, yeah. Well, why the hell was that even necessary? Why? I guess Samuel L. Jackson is entertaining, but that's it. Nothing else was redeeming about that film. I still haven't seen that movie, and I choose not to. Yeah, I don't, don't know. Don't. It just. I mean, I'm a big fan of the original animated version. And I guess even my... though it's not that true to the Rudyard Kipling book, right? It's like, yo, those jazz standards they were dropping, you know, like wow, like musically that movie is like you know in, in another realm. Yeah, yeah. I just want to go to the games because everything everything else that's terrible movie wise is what we just mentioned Suicide Squad Batman vs Superman Star Trek that's Beyond it. hey 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 hey, hey. <laughs> you don't touch that leave, I, I leave Star Trek Beyond out like of it please god damn it <laughs> Um, um, okay, so like, okay, we should also kind of shit on the games yeah. that we tried and we're like unhappily can't get our money back in this day and age most of the time. Yeah, I paid so, the I, I mean, paid a Kickstarter fee for one of these games. God, which one is this? Oh, oh my god, um, Mighty Number Nine. It finally came out after I won my money back. <laughs> yes, how far? How the Mighty has fallen? That sort of story. It's, I it's, remember it's, it's seeing it for like six dollars on Steam, and I was like, nah. This <laughs> so is even a game the I sale? paid. I paid like I mean maybe close to, I mean it's probably a hundred bucks for this for the Kickstarter. I feel the sting up to this day, despite getting you paid hundred bucks on the Kickstarter. Yes, for this. This was two thousand thirteen, where I don't. You think know how anyone... many copies of Mega Man you could have afforded. <laughs> this is like no, not dude. Not many people knew at the time that KJ Inafune had really terrible plans in two thousand fifteen. That he lost the plot, huh? <laughs> Yeah, he lost the grass and everything. Like this came out like. Gamespot made the news about it. Like holy shit, he's actually going to get the hell out of Capcom do his own thing I see the artwork for Beck and all that the concept art whoa this is a good thing and this guy would not shit on his own legacy to pull off this game wow if I only knew any better for 3 years later you know that he would actually pull this to do this something so bad you know like you know this guy he actually announced another game even though his Mighty Number no. 9 hasn't even come out yet and he has got another project coming up and delaying the game more and more and also like cancelling different platforms for the game like the Wii U version wasn't going to come out at all in the end no and the Wii U is officially dead no, so I guess so way. yeah and all these test footage all that when I saw the game I played the game oh my god this is this is not good this is not good this is not, this is beyond mediocre it just feels bad like I figured I'll just play it again on Steam just to try it out again 
the platforming, everything just feels like still janky. Why the fuck did it took you three years to do this, dude? Honestly, this is something that a guy from DigiPen could finish up in about six months, nonstop. That's I mean, how bad we, it is, dude. That's how bad it is. This is the guy who will shit out an amazing Mega Man game every two years. Every two, <laughs> three then, years, three years, Jesus. Yeah, and then like after all this Kickstarter money, I mean, this, but that's this was the guy st- who did. Uh, Dead Rising really good before you know the Americans took over it you know that was this is like so jarring to see a project that bombed so hard have you seen like the presentation they did like during the launch like they were having a live yeah, stream yeah I remember that I and remember they were it, trying like, to justify all this like we better we ship it out than not ship it out at all you know that sort of like mentality there was a quote about that that was just so hilarious and heartbreaking at the same time but there's also something very uniquely Japanese about that, you know, yeah. about, you know, making your deadlines and getting stuff done and, yeah. like, cutting corners. In, I mean, a lot of corners were really cut for this game to actually make the deadline. But, I mean, it's also an... I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's the kind of sentiment... I would say, like, games that are being put together on Kickstarter are now looking to be a really bad investment. I mean, I'm really worried about, like... Uh, Suzuki-san's attempt at doing another Shenmue. And I'm like, fucking Star Citizen is not even out yet, you know? And that has millions of dollars of idiots' money right oh now. Oh my god. I, I'm afraid millions. That, I'm afraid Shenmue 3 might end up like Mighty Number no. 9, but here's hoping it does not, you know? I don't want to wish that even on my worst enemies, you know? Like, there's a project that people are anticipating and it turns out to be a dud. That's just horrible for you and me, for everyone. Oh, I found the quote, by the way. Kenny Kenny Inaf- Inafune says Mighty Number no. 9's launch version is quote-unquote better than nothing. Uh, what the fuck? Why the fuck would you say that about your own game, dude? That is the last thing you want to do. But then, And I'm not even a PR be... expert. Even I know not to say this, alright? I, I love the Japanese developers for just telling it as it is. You know? yeah. I mean, but uh, maybe it's also in a sense like Maybe he is past his prime. Maybe he should retire. I mean, he has an amazing legacy. And, like, this could be that one bump in his career that he needs to either, like, you know, decide whether he should continue or decide whether he should, like, re- really take pick up the mantle and, like, push forward. Yeah, this is the guy I look up to when it came to Mega Man games. Like, the first time I met him in TGS 2008, that was like, oh my god, this is my moment, you know. To have a chat <laughs> with him with my broken Japanese. He likes the stuff I said. He said... Oh, thank you very much for enjoying Mega Man 2 and 3. And took a photo, and that's it. A really short chat. And then I also uh, interviewed him for... Dude, Soul Sacrifice was actually not bad as a game. Like, it was... Like, it was not supposed to be Monster Hunter, but it's a really good game. And it was all done by him with concept and his team. And then to see Mighty Number no. 9, it's like, what the fuck, man? This is his work? What the hell, you know? Ugh. I mean, so much for depressing episode. This is more like rage <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> well, speaking of like classic Nintendo games that you know are kind of super disappointing. I don't know. That's a terrible segue. But okay, speaking of Japanese developers who might be past their prime. Okay, I also want to kind of talk about a game that apparently didn't take the world by storm as predicted. Which and is I think you tell know us what more. I'm, where I'm going more. with this. I'm talking about of course Super Mario One, Super Mario One. My bad. Super Mario Run. On iOS devices. So that's your worst game of 2016? Because I paid for it. Fuck this game. Oh, man. Oh my man. God. Uh, do tell. Do I, tell. So, what they did was, in order to kind of be part of 
2017, be part of the new wave or whatever. Nintendo finally decided to fuck it, let's go mobile, let's put our characters, our branding on other things. And this is probably as a reaction to like the kind of success of Pokemon Go. Like, you know, like... This is more I mean, like a reaction to a lot of running games that have been coming out on mobile phones. Even Rayman did this stuff before. Yeah, so... Yeah, but the thing is, right, this is Mario. This is the guy, the first action-jumping platformer guy. This guy is a... He is his own echelon of importance in video game characters, design, and, like, er, there's there's no such thing as a shit Mario game. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay? Mario 1, 2, 3. Super Mario Bros. 1, 2, 3. E- even... Mario Galaxy, even Luigi Man- Luigi's Mansion. Okay, that was a good game. That was a, that's a that good was game, a good and game. it doesn't have Mario in it. Okay, even Smash Brothers, even whatever, his face on any product pushes copies. Mm-hmm. So they, they they shit out Mario Run, an auto runner jumper mobile game that for some reason when I first played it like didn't work in landscape mode, which was weird, <laughs> and at the same time felt. Like such a slap in the face of the legacy of probably one of like gaming's like he's this is the second greatest mascot of all time. You didn't feel that the level design and the the overall feel of the game was up to par to your high standards. I wouldn't even say it's my high standards. It's like the thing is, I mean, I know it's unfair to kind of judge this uh, to other Mario games. No, 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 don't, don't. You, you, you have every right to because every Nintendo game has to be judged on you know its predecessor's merit per se or. How is legacy? It's upholded. It's, yeah, it's legacy, and this is like this is Mario, and Mario has never made a shit game. Now we put him in a platformer, and the thing is, we put him in an auto runner, and it goes against every instinct you have as a Mario player because, firstly, it doesn't encourage exploration, which is essential to Mario games. Mario games is all about discovering secrets, exploring the levels, finding like hidden stuff, and like this is just forcing you to go forward and jump over things mm-hmm. and collect coins, and after you collect coins, it's just trying to shield you to pay for the full game, to buy shit you don't need, to buy... Uh, I, I, I'm hating on it for all the reasons that's probably what was going to make it successful. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not a success. It, it didn't do barnstormers like everybody thought it would, okay? Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, what I didn't like were the reviews of the game. Like, oh, we had to pay money to play this. Dude, you fucking Candy Crush motherfucker, you paid 100 bucks <laughs> for your goddamn tapping puzzle game and your... Goddamn RPGs, your 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 gacha games and all that. You pay three hundred and you fucking and you have the balls to complain about a ten dollar game that you pay and unlock every fucking shit. This this is why I hate mobile games at this point in time. All these gacha games that actually forces you to actually get three hundred bucks, use three hundred bucks to get a character you want. I think the worst offender is the latest DC uh, game. I think it's called DC Knights or something. Oh man, I uh, Marvel. I'm oh, sorry, DC characters, Superman, one, all that. You don't actually pay money, like a small set of money to collect characters. You pay money for shards to collect a character. So by right, you actually pay like 25 bucks to get one guy. Compared to maybe a game like Contest of Champions Marvel, where 5 bucks, you get 3, 4 random characters. It's wrong, you know? Like, why are companies doing this? I'll never know. I mean, greed, apart from corporate greed, I don't know why. Corporate greed, yeah. But I mean, like, his, let's just say this, like, Mario is tarnished for me in a way like he finally has a shit game there's finally a game out there with his face on it with his you know attributes I mean, it's and like what's, what's even worse is like how they like promoted this like fucking Shigeru Miyamoto appeared on like Jimmy Fallon yeah the Jimmy Fallon show yes and that he was, was a few there, weeks and ago I think, 
And the thing is, if you're a Mario fan or a Nintendo fan or a video game fan, right, and you look at it and like, oh, that is the that is the closest thing we have to the Nintendo seal of quality. Like, if Miyamoto himself would like approve or like you know give blessing to this game, like it should have it should be great. It should be good. Did he roll up his sleeves and quote some parts of it? How was his involvement? But his face is there, and it's like. I, I could kind of sense that things were not going too well because I mean, he was kind of giving the face he did when remember when they were promoting Wii Music oh that was 2006 <laughs> yes that was exactly that was the ago. face of indifference that was the face of like just fucking release it like, like you know like I mean like yeah sure he was smiling and stuff and like Ryuji Filame was like, like oh yeah we're gonna like you know play Mario Run here on Jimmy Fallon you're the first guy ever to try it and it's like and when I see Fallon play it and fuck it up and like you know like okay yeah, this game kind of looks bad. <laughs> and there's going to be only so many levels, and there's only going to be so many options. And I mean, like, okay, I there are fun stuff too. I mean, th- I like the kind of multiplayer that it has involved where you race other people on tracks and stuff, right? But why would you want to pay $15 for that when you can go on the virtual console and for like, like one-third the price, get Mario 3? Yeah, Mario 3, the best Nintendo Mario Hands down, all time. Okay, a perfect ne- 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 Next to Super Mario World, but that's Super Nintendo, so... <laughs> I mean, like, okay, even if you want to say the 16-bit stuff, like, you know, like, or even, like, you no know, the current gen stuff, like, even Paper Mario is amazing. Yeah. Alright, you know? Even, like, Mar- even Marty, Mario and Luigi, their, their so-called team-up game, which I didn't really... Oh, the, Super the Star team. Saga, right? And then, and then, like, on the 3DS, the Dream Team, right? It, to me, it's not a great Mario game, but it has a certain polish that you cannot ignore. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, Mario Run, to me, feels like, okay, this is corporate shilling shit. This yeah, feels like... It totally ignores yeah. the fans, or it, it it really does detriment the legacy in a way. And, I mean, I, I can hate on it forever, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're already reaping what they've sown, and, like, the game is not that much of a success. And that's Dr. Shafiq's Worst of 2016, Super fuck, Mario Run. Fuck Super I finally said it, fuck Super Mario Run. You've heard it here um, first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, should we talk about No Man's Sky? Because I figured yes. that's, that's more of a disappointment <laughs> than an outright terrible on game. This podcast famously traded in for a superior game. Yeah, I think it's KOF 14, <laughs> if I recall. I traded in for KOF 14. That's how for 50 bad. characters, you know? <laughs> yeah. How many does Street Fighter have now since we have like season pass to 20... Still not as much as KOF. <laughs> 23, 22. God damn it, I'm bad Capcom. at math, yeah. Okay, you know, and, and we were just reeling against people. Like you know, like, co- like corporations, like shield, like forcing people to buy stuff. Now we're going to like, the now we're going to the indie side where the story around No Man's Sky is actually bigger than No Man's Sky itself. Now, we know the hubris, the hubris, the whole, like how E three shields your shit, all that. We know what we're anticipating, but somehow, No Man's Sky people bought into it because Sean Murray has that face. You know, it's an indie studio that did Joe Danger. You know that oh my god, this is gonna answer all my dreams, all that. And then when the game came out, it's just your regular sort of ex- your survival exploratory kind of game, which is all right. I mean, the soundtrack's actually not bad. It's really good. But, <laughs> but again, the hype, everything, people wanted it to be this one game. And then what came out was just this other game, which is adequate, to say the least. I know some people actually like the colors and everything, but yeah, people hated it more because of what it could have been rather than what it was as a final product. This I mean, don't, don't forget, this happened for a lot of games back then. Remember Watch Dogs? Remember <laughs> NFL games? Oh, there were so many games that had the hype actually crippled its own byproduct at the end of the day. So, 
Nomad Sky was a victim of this, and I think it suffered a lot because of that. So, I mean, but was it also because like things were overpromised or things like that were supposed to be in the game? Exactly, the all this stuff about to play all that. Like Sean, Sean Murray itself, he actually did bullshit quite a little bit more than he should. He bit on one against you in terms of like doing the PR spin and being very nonchalant and very affable. He, I mean, there was a whole sh this thing that happened where, oh, is that supposed to be multiplayer in this game? You check the back of the box, oh, it turns out there is, but they cancelled it out at the last moment. Hmm. And then there were actually two guys who actually were streaming in the same planet and they could not see each other, even though Sean Murray claimed that, yes, there is a huge, there is a 1% chance you can actually see each other, you know? And they, they, they call him out on it. Again, the story of No Man's Sky is actually the biggest disappointment rather than the game itself. Wouldn't yeah, you agree? I would yeah. definitely agree. Like, you know, I mean, like, even if they didn't market it that way, if they just said, like, you know that part in Mass Effect you didn't enjoy, but we just kind of made it uh, expanded a bit? Yep, yep. In a way, <laughs> in a way. That, that, that's actually a good analogy. That's a good analogy. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's like the, that part of Mass Effect that nobody, Mass Effect 1, that nobody enjoyed, but we made it into a big, like, a whole game. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. it's gonna be like twenty dollars, like uh, randomly say, generated you know? levels and monsters and creatures who may or may not attack you. Yeah, it's it's an okay game. I mean, I like I like the music more, but at the end of the day, that's why I traded in. I kind of wanted more out of it. But I mean, that is your worst game of two thousand sixteen. No, no, no. My worst game is still Mighty Number no. Nine. That's again the story and the game, same qualities of shittiness per se. No Man's Sky. The story itself was way shittier than the game itself. The game was like, uh, it's okay. You know, it's something I would pay 5 bucks or 10 bucks for. Not 60. Not 60 at all. I don't know, uh, man. This is coming from the guy who rated Tokyo Mirage Sessions as the hey, best game. I, that is my best game. <laughs> I'll still stick by it, dude. Goddamn anime. Dude, like, dude, this is like the game that replaced Persona 5 for 2016, alright? There's going to be a Persona Dorek coming along the way. Yeah, right? that, that, that's like 2017 on April. So, oh, unless you have a Wii U, yeah, you're not going to have your Persona fix until you play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. That's still mm -hmm. a goddamn awesome game, dude, alright? Well, how about this? Any TV shows that came out in 2016? Like, for me, definitely Gotham. Gotham was just, it wasn't terrible, it was just super disappointing. And I don't it, like, think I've seen any shitty show, but yeah, go on with Gotham, dude. Go on with Gotham. Like, if you're a fan of the Batman lore... Or if you like one, you were expecting them to retell. I mean, like this is basically Batman's origin story from the point of like from the point before he was Batman, mm -hmm. and um, they kind of flipped it to be more of a Commissioner Gordon origin story. Then I was okay with that, and then they kind of flipped it to be how Commissioner Gordon's wife Barbara turns evil, which I don't really remember in the you know Batman Legacy. And then they created characters like Fish Mooney. Then it felt like they were just shoehorning things in, and because kind of they didn't know what to do the, with it. And then they started missing the point. Like there's a point where you need to be original, or you want to tell your own story. And then like then it became the rise to power of the Penguin, and then as it felt so disjointed and discombobulated. Like, it was trying to please too many people at the same time that it fell under the weight of its own, like, you know, uh, lack of ambition. This was say. under CW, was it? Or was it on another... Which... which because it's following I, the whole 12-episode format, right? Mm, they, could mean, have, I mean, they could have gone, like, the Black Mirror format where, okay, three, four episodes about Penguin, Joker, whatever the fuck. That's it, you're done with one season and then go to the next. Probably. Maybe Netflix has... Maybe Netflix has spoiled me, but... 
if Gotham had less episodes to work with, I think it would be a better film. I mean, sorry, yeah, a I better show. Yeah, I think that's the problem. It has a lot of filler. It has a lot of, like, episodes and moments where it's like, oh, hey, remember Firefly? Where this is, like, you know, kind of like Firefly, but it's not Firefly. Hey, you know, you're like Joker. Here's a guy who is kind of like Joker, but we're going to just kill him off anyway. Oh, and it, it got really confusing and really, like, what are you trying to do? And then... The thing is, right, most of the most of the guys who watch the show is like, okay, let's see how a young Bruce Wayne matures into like, you know, maybe uh like into his early teens and how he starts to like go on this path or whatever, right? Because according to Batman Legend, he fell down the the well as a boy, saw the bats and he realized that this is gonna be the symbol, this is what he's gonna do. None of that really happens. You know? And then there's like this whole thing like, oh, uh fucking Alfred is like a ex-SAS guy which they kind of stole from Earth 1 or something by Jeff mm-hmm. Johns I think yeah, and then it's like okay he's gonna train Bruce Wayne and no most of the time he's just babysitting him and like rescuing him from like shit and it's like man Gotham was terrible and then there was this like the whole first season where it's all about this character Fish Mooney played by Jada Pinkett Smith Jada Pinkett Smith and it's like I really don't care about this character at all <laughs> and then she eventually is the one who like bumps into Dr. Hugo Strange and then even that was like, oh, hey, it's Hugo Strange. And that's what it felt like to me Like when I was watching the entire show. It's like, oh, hey, is that thing from Batman that I should recognize? Or like, it, it became like just, here's a reference, here's a reference, here's a reference. We're not really pushing the story along. But you like references, right? It's like, yeah. that's what you nerds want. It's like, no, we want a good story. <laughs> there was a Penny Arcade strip that actually summarized Gotham. It was like, the, uh, hey, I'm Edward Nygma, yada, yada. I see you got a crime case there. This can be a bit puzzling. I'm the Riddler. Then he does a thumbs up, winking at the, at the camera. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's it. Yeah, dot, dot, dot. I'm the Riddler. There's a lot of winking to the camera. Yeah, it's I mean, just too it, much, right? Yeah. It became... It's like, it's offensive. It's done wrong. It's literally, they were just saying like, okay, let's just shovel all this shit in and then maybe the... Like, just the weight... Just the, the references would be enough to pull an audience. No, you have to have a good story. Yeah. I mean, like... I mean, okay, props to, like, that one small moment where Michael Chiklis comes in as the replacement commissioner. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice seeing him as a cop again, like a badass cop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he really didn't add to anything at all. I mean, like, I think the main pro- thing about Gotham is it's extremely forgettable. Like, I watched the entire, like, season run, and, like, I really don't care about, like, w- whether it continues or not. I mean, it was kind of doomed to fail from the start. And then if you're going up against, like, shit like Arrow or The Flash <laughs> oh my god Supergirl totally loose. and then yeah. it's like here's the, here's, it's the weird cousin to those shows where it's like yeah we're not a part of them you know but at the same time we want to be a part of them and it's it's just I think it's, it's lack of identity or lack of direction is what really led to its undoing yeah for a show about like really weird ass super criminals here and there it's crime is like being very unforgettable right Don't I mean for so? a show that could it was an opportunity to create origin stories for all these villains and yeah. all the origin stories are terrible you could have <laughs> just done the whole like uh, why not focus on the cops that's it and then the criminals you meet like, yeah, like the comic book called Gotham Police right that's a comic Gotham series Gotham PD yeah that, that was that would have been what that was what I was expecting is like look at Commissioner Gordon raise up the ranks and deal with corruption and deal with the problem of Gotham and then of course the eventual must. Uh, villain and whatever mm-hmm. and how he also kind of grooms a young Bruce Wayne yep. you know to understanding like you know the merits of justice the merits of uh, being lawful but at the same time also kind of curdling that, that vigilante streak right but at the same time it's what I don't know this this show was obviously a cash into the popularity of Batman oh, okay? yeah. Every, everybody was like okay we have all these other 
CW shows, okay? Batman movies are still a thing. Like, we should do a Gotham show. And it's just, I mean, I mean, from the start up till now, I, I just say it's just super misguided. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really needs somebody to come in there and like just sort shit out. Like, okay, cut this shit out, cut this shit out. Let's just focus on this. This is what we, we all really want to care about. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think one of my biggest grudges with the show is like the young Bruce Wayne is a whiny little bitch. Okay, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> really? You couldn't... Uh, He's getting slapped around by a young Selena Kyle, huh? What? Oh my God. Really? Wait, this I is the guy who's gonna to grow up to be Batman. Stuff. Ah, that's just weird. That's it's like weird. watching, like you know, like the, the the prequels where you see a young Anakin. Like, look at this whiny little bitch. <laughs> this guy grows up to be the, the fucking Darth Vader. No, I don't buy it at all. <laughs> you know? Uh, oh man, I mean, like, but okay. Uh, other shows? Man, I really can't think of anything. I mean, yeah. Gotham because it's super disappointing. Me being a Batman fan, you know. I, I do my best to avoid, like, terrible TV shows. I mean, I heard of one that's pretty bad. Sleepy Hollow, it had a pretty good premise, but the problem is it just... They don't know what the hell to do with Ichabod Crane and his... Was it a spin-off from the Tim Burton movie, or is it... No, 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 it's his own thing. It's just basically really? Ichabod Crane solving supernatural crimes. The problem is, I think it's just a cut and copy-pasting, and then they did some really bad things with the casting and stuff. But anyway, again, I didn't watch his show, so I can't really say I have a worse TV show. I think so, I saw like the marketing for it and it, like, it reminded me too much of Penny Dreadful which I didn't enjoy at all either. Uh, actually, I it, thought Penny Dreadful was alright. I, I, I was alright, but it's like, you know, it, it kind of you know went up its own ass very quickly too. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, this, this show started out interesting. Yeah. You know, but... I think that's all we got for our worst stuff of 2016. You know what we need to do? We need Brighten to cheer ourselves up. up. Oh yeah, yeah. We can talk about the good stuff we saw that we saw kind in 2017, but we forgot about it in 2016. So. Okay, how about you go first this time? Alright, alright. Can I like to say Black Mirror, but I only saw one episode. Um, what's oh, it called? You, you just started watching Black Mirror? Yes. Uh, about- San- oh, the San Junipero episode. That was so good, honestly. Dude, it's the one about the about... about that show. That show is actually pretty dope, you know. And yeah, it's pretty it's, dope, dude. I would have put it on my best of 2016, but then uh, I, I I'm still a Kimmy Schmidt guy. <laughs> uh, I think I think because it also came out uh, a year before that, right? It started a year before, was it? I Do guess. You I mean, if you want to just rate season two or something, right? yeah, yeah. Season three came out last year, definitely. So yeah, I saw San Junipero. It's a really awesome concept. It's just basically about a girl who falls in love with a black girl and in the 80s and then and it starts unraveling and unraveling it's like wow i never thought this would happen and it's so good and then that ending song it was just so beautiful it fit everything all together i'm not gonna say anything beyond that because this deserves to be watched by everyone without it being spoiled 
And that's what I like about Black Mirror. Every episode is self-contained. It's its own story. And yeah. you don't have to watch the first episode to get what the hell is going on in the third or the fourth or the first episode of the third season, you know? It works what on what its own. What I really like about Black Mirror is like, it's very intelligent storytelling. It doesn't hold your hand at all. Yeah. But at the same time, like the way things are set up and then like if you if you were paying attention, you'd be like, holy shit, this, this show is actually smarter than I thought it would be. Yeah, you actually have to rewind at certain parts to actually catch what the hell they said and then you can understand. That's why I realized about another episode, the one about the the guy who is recalling his memory and then he thinks his wife is cheating on him or some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was really good. But I had to rewind it a bit because I was like, didn't get certain concepts of it. But mm. I got to see other episodes because this is a good show. Yeah, which I, for you. I saw I'll, it. I'll still Westworld for you. Everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> everybody dies. <laughs> no. Okay, speaking of everybody dying. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, have you been watching Black Mirror on Netflix or... Uh, are you? Yeah, yeah, on Netflix, on Netflix. Well, Good speaking stuff. of Netflix and speaking of dead people, okay, I've been watching this show, which is a little bit off-brand for me, but I've been watching this little animated series called Troll Hunters. Have you ah, heard of okay. it? okay. Nah, I have not. But I did hear that Guillermo del Toro has something to do with it. I think did he you? wrote the story. He's pretty much one of the main producers. No, but here's the thing. Like Speaking of dead celebrities, it stars a very, you know, it stars Chekhov and Tom ah. Very, very, I mean, we're going to a dark is, place right now, really quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't intend to do that, but here's the thing. Like, here's a show that it's not smart, it's not uh, groundbreaking. In fact, it's pretty much you know inspired by a lot of things. But at the same time, to me, I felt like, oh, it's a pretty cute little show that you can definitely watch and follow along. Characters are well animated. You know, it has that very unique Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. art style. Uh, I mean, like, if you watch stuff like Pan's Labyrinth or even the Hellboy series, like, his artwork or the way he designs things is very prevalent in everything. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I mean, like, this is one of those shows that kind of popped up. I started watching. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't love it. But at the same time, like, oh, this is actually quite fun to follow. I mean, the stories are simple. Things are presented. You have, you, they set up the good guy, bad guy scenario very quickly. And it's just about this young kid. I mean, like, I love these kind of stories where it's about a young kid who finds power beyond himself. And then he realizes that, oh, I'm the chosen one. I'm the troll hunter now. And then, like, I mean, the world that they create is pretty cute, you know. And I like also the fact that the characters seem, well, at the same time, it's, it's very pain by numbers, but it's very well done pain by numbers, you know. It's like, it's a, it's a good show. I like it. I mean, I'm seeing, I look I'm at the it. art edit, I saw the poster, whoa, this actually looks not bad. I didn't know it was an episodic thing. I thought it was a, just one movie. No, it's oh. a TV show. It's pretty oh, good. Nice. I'm watching it and it's like, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's not on the same level as, like, it's not an animated masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, there is that, bre- that the, 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 the Guillermo del Toro, like, aesthetic is strong. You know, and the characters are actually quite likable. I mean, it's like a, a solid Nickelodeon thing to me. You know what I mean? Cool, cool. And I mean, like, I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, it to kids. You know, like, hey, watch Troll Hunters. It's quite fun. I gotta and, say, since we're bringing up TV shows, do you, I mean, did you like Stranger Things when it came out back uh, back last year? I think I did a whole episode. We did a whole episode. Right? About yes. <laughs> what, that oh my god. Down. I, I think I'll, I think I'm getting a bit forgetful <laughs> of my day and age. Of course, I love Stranger Things. I love the I love the Elfin Light references. Okay. I love you, the 80s references. You, okay, you've got to read this comic book called Paper Girls. Okay, it's, was that? it's done by Brian K. Vaughan. He's the guy who did Saga and Why the Last Man. It's I still about... haven't finished Saga. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's finished yet, dude. It's still uh, ongoing. Oh, it's still ongoing? Anyway, okay. It's, okay, it's about these four paper girls who somehow get wrapped up in a sci-fi alien thing <laughs> coming down, invasion happening. And it's actually happening in the 80s. 
and then there's actually some time traveling shit going on. I'm not gonna spoil it for you. The main character is Asian, by the way. And mm-hmm. the way they meet up, it's like, oh, okay, that's how they meet up because they're doing paper routes and stuff. They're like this group of paper girls who are badass. And oh, then okay. They end up going on an adventure together. They meet up with older alien human-like people who speak a different language and they gotta find out what the hell is going on before they get killed. But it's a really good adventure that goes on and on and on. And the twists and turns this this comic book takes is really good. And the artwork itself is really good. I believe it's done by Cliff Chang, if I recall. His artwork is very... Popish. I want to say art deco-ish, but no, no, that's not that's the wrong word. It's more like the whole very vibrant, very, simple okay. colors, very vibrant, very sharp. It looks really good. Maybe we can do a quick search on uh, Google, then you can take a look at the artwork. But I mean, like when you say paper girls, I literally thought these are girls made of paper. No, no, like, no. And then I made the connection. Like, oh, these are like pe- girls who deliver the newspaper. Yep, yep. I mean, does I mean, it have any strong lo- like Lumberjanes like vibes? Because I really like Lumberjanes. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of the Lumberjanes vibe, yes. So but it's, it's like more girls banding together and having adventures. Yeah, yeah. But this is more of like okay. a serious kind of like drama kind of adventure thing going on. So it's got Stranger Things uh, influence also. In oh, the Stranger Things feel is there. It's definitely there. I'll give okay. you the Google link. You can take a look at the art. It's really, really good. Oh, this is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. Hmm. So, so yeah, I recommend that, and yeah, this is stuff that this is a publication that came out last year. I've been actually on the comic book bandwagon since I, uh, you know, I've been you know relaxing here and there. Yeah, something that we should definitely yeah, do. Yeah. We should also kind of pay attention to our. I mean, we did a whole episode where we like get shoutouts to like analog gaming, you know, like yeah, we're gonna do analog. Oh, what am I talking about? This is probably on comicsology. Yeah, comicsology. Yes, I will. Wow, I love the way this looks. It's yeah, like yeah. the Goonies, but all girls. Yeah, yeah. Goonies, all girl Goonies. Yeah, with space aliens. That's all I'm going to say because the twists and turns pretty good. And, and the it, guy is uh, juggling two books like this and Saga. Like, how the hell does he do it, man? In the huge schedule? Yeah, I mean, I Saga's mean, taking its time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Saga's already established a lot of things. And I think yeah. this is probably like, this is like probably his fully fully to Evangelion where he, he needs to kind of relieve some stress or something or he needs to do something a bit more fun oh yeah so I'll definitely check this out there's also another one I've been reading uh, Wicked and Divine you have definitely heard of this last year right yeah I heard of it Uh, haven't picked it up yet I finally finally started on it and it's actually not bad I thought that was just going to be a lot of overhyped thing going on but apparently it's just about gods who are pop stars and the shit they have to go through two years before they have they they die and reincarnate again in the future. So it's pretty interesting, like the way they handle it and it's hard to keep track of the gods' names, but once you label it down, it actually works out just fine and how their magic works and everything. And this is all happening in like an eighties kind of period. I believe the future volumes that they actually go on to like two thousand and two thousand sixteen and whatnot, but so far I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Okay, so first uh, impression is pretty solid. I mean, who is it by written? Or uh, Kieran Gillen. He's the guy who did oh, Photogram. Yeah. I think we all know him as the guy who wrote a lot in Rock Paper Shotgun before he did comics. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Shout out to that guy. He actually came down to Singapore to talk about Photogram, if I recall. Well, well done for having a career after Rock Paper Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any other comic books you want to recommend? or anything uh, else Maybe about? one more. Uh, Marvel. It's this one called Gwenpool. So, <laughs> yes. So, this is about a girl who I has mean, no like superpowers. Like, Spider-Gwen wasn't, like, weird enough. We have yeah, to yeah, yeah. Gwenpool. <laughs> she is not related to Gwen Stacy at any point. She's just called Gwen 
P-O-O-L-E, Gwenpool. So Why? Hence Gwenpool. Okay, so this is a girl who somehow got sucked into the Marvel Universe. Her only superpower is knowing every character's secret identity. She has no asking powers. She has no special lightning beams coming out from her hand. She just knows everything in the Marvel Universe. That's her superpower. So how she interacts with like Howard the Duck and Jane Foster as Thor and all that, it's pretty comical in a sense. Like, oh, so it's in the current Marvel Universe where it's a female Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And also Miss Marvel and who else? Oh yeah, there's also a Modoc as well that exists. <laughs> so she somehow ends up killing people in not in cold blood because she knows that they're going to come back to life because it's a comic book in the head, you know? Mm-hmm. So she's sort of like breaking the fourth wall while also being in the fourth wall sort of... Like, a Deadpool who's not talking to the audience. It's more like a Deadpool kind of character who is talking, who is bringing her logic to the characters in that universe and trying to make them understand so her view of thinking and all that. So it's an extremely meta kind of show. It is, it is. Which is why I kind of like it in a sense. So how is the in-jokes and the... I mean, like, when I hear of things like this, right, you gotta... If you're gonna throw jabs, right, you gotta throw jabs at the right things. They how's do the it, joke so far? They do it pretty well. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of drama, but it's mostly just comedic action chaotic stuff happening because again she's not skilled at fighting but she can pull off last minute shit like maybe create a bomb at the last minute or blow up just just at, in cold blood just kill mercenaries and whatnot stealing money which heroes don't usually do and in the head she's still thinking yeah they're gonna come back you know that sort of thing so she's got that whole comic meta logic thing going on in her head which is kind of refreshing in a way because you don't see that many characters doing that outside of marvel Okay, I guess this is that's it. Something yeah, I yeah. want to check out. I mean, it looks interesting to me, and the artwork looks kind of cool too. Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. It's a so guy it's named Guru Guru Hime, is it? Or he actually did the artwork for the Avatar comics, the last Airbender. Oh, it's okay. all the stories that happened after the third season ended. So it's like seeing Prince Zuko, seeing his mom and stuff, that kind of story. And they're all drawn really well. So I recommend picking that up too, if you want something a little different. I mean, like, I think. Yeah, we should just definitely give some love to comic books nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've finally picked up, like, I mean, like, during Black Friday, I went crazy on Comixology. Ooh, did you get um, anything that came out last year? Not really. I, I made the, I made the, I, I, I just kept buying stuff I already owned. <laughs> okay, okay. You're trying to keep it. Yes, for the I have future. another version of The Killing Joke now on my fucking iPad. Uh, but still, okay. Like, but, okay. Let's keep going on the the happy trip okay let's end this episode properly maybe we do what was the movie that you watched last year that we couldn't squeeze in into our best of besides Rogue One okay how about that there this one is it's called is this erotic thriller called The Handmaiden yes, what I said, I, said, <laughs> I said erotic because yeah there is a scene pretty graphic I oh, might coffee, add getting... that actually cements the bond between two characters but anyway Okay, the story... Is that that a clue? (laughs) Okay, okay. So this is a story about a girl named Suki who is led in by this con artist to to talk and be friends with this um, princess from Japan who knows Korean. Like this girl from royalty to swindle... So that she can swindle her inheritance, all that, so that they can keep it. And then put her in the mental house. Hmm. But... So she pretends to be a handmaiden, gain a trust. But... The plan goes bad because she ends up falling in love with the with the princess with the royalty woman herself. So okay. this story actually plays in three parts, like three acts. Like the first act concludes everything. Like 
apparently something happens where Suki gets locked up to the mental house instead, but there's a lot of other things that happen on, like some plot twists turn in here. Not everything is what it seems in the first, uh, the first section of the show itself. So it plays in three acts. It replays certain things, but in a different angle, and it actually uncovers a few plans here and there. So it becomes more Machiavellian in in terms and scope, which I'm not gonna spoil beyond that. Just let's just say that um, you know, like Rashomon, the movie where some things are actually revealed, and then you decide on what the outcome is in the end. Yeah, yeah, the three perils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This actually happens in the Handmaiden, but the ending is sad lah per se. So okay. you just gotta watch it for yourself. I don't wanna spoil too much because it's a really good movie. And yeah, that, that scene that cements the bond, yeah, it, it actually gets played out. You, you'll see it in the first section, you'll see it in the third act, and yeah, wow, okay. Let's just say you're, let's just say you're gonna have to watch it alone without anyone watching. Let's just say that. Oh man, we're just spanking the monkey, monkey in the cinema. Okay, okay, re- okay, remember, okay, remember <laughs> this movie, Blue is the Warmest Color? I remember that, yeah. Yeah, you remember that scene that cemented the bond between the two characters? Ooh, I enjoy yeah. that movie a lot. Yes, you know, I think everyone who's watched a movie knows why. Okay. So yeah, that that sort of thing happens in the Handmaiden, and it's whoa. Well, it's, it's, it's that's why that's why it's called an erotic thriller, dude. So, well, worth the time to watch. Also a bit bloody as well. Don't forget, it's also got a bit of gore here and there. So, yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I I this is the kind of show where I can talk about it, but not too much because. I just don't want to give too much away, let's just say that. So I'll just say, key points happen, it's a Rashomon-style kind of show, reveals a lot of things later on in retrospect, and the way they play out the acts, very, very clever. And I love the shots they do in the film itself, like the pan, the slow panning when they're on the boats, the shots whenever they cut in back, you know, from flashback to proper time and all that. And then when the gates open up, you know it's a really tense section when someone gets locked in and, oh, fuck, shit done fucked up. Especially when it comes to... Suki's past as well, or even the princess's past as well. So it actually worked out pretty well. Okay, really good so stuff. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Yeah, I kind of wish I saw it last year instead of this year. So yeah. I would have put that in my like my top ten, definitely. Okay. So what's your top ten? Uh, what What's that one movie that you saw this year that was actually out last year, Shafiq? Oh, uh, actually, the thing is, right? I mean. I very famously said that Sing Street was the best movie of 2016. Yep, you did. And I still say it's the best movie of 2016. But there's this one movie that would have been probably my number one contender. And, and it's by uh, our good friend Shane Black. I'm talking uh, about The Nice Guys. Oh man, that is that an Russell awesome Crow, film. That Ryan Gosling buddy cop movie that was delightfully quirky and random. And it's, it's got a lot of Shane Blackisms where like things happen for apparently no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just leaves it in the story, you know? And the thing is, like, I like the pairing of Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I mean, like, the two PIs. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that, you know, it, it's also, it's kind of a send-up of, like, the 70s cop dramas. I mean, it's set during that time, you know, the, and at the same time... The porn time, industry, like, right, was kind of big at the time, right? Was I it? mean, I would say that. I mean, also, shout-outs to Keith David for appearing out of nowhere, playing one of the <laughs> oh, bad yeah. guys. It's like, anything, anything with Keith David has to be a good movie, okay? Oh, yeah. But I would say this, right, like, when I watched it, and I was like, I, I, it was totally under my radar. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Shane Black. I like what he did with Iron Man, kinda. I mean, I didn't really like Iron Man three. Was he? He did Iron Man three, right? Yes, he did Iron Man three. Okay, that's probably one of the few things by Shane Black I did. Look. I mean, like this is the guy responsible for like uh, Lethal Kiss Weapon, Kiss Bang Bang, Lethal Weapon. Was he? The, yeah, but like, Lethal Weapon. And I was like, it's, it's Long Kiss Goodnight as well. He did that. That was that was good. The one with Gina Davis and Samuel. Yeah, Jackson. I like Gina was Davis. a little bit too. 
I don't know. I mean, I mean, it was great to see Gina Davis kick, kick ass, but at the yeah. same time, I've, there are better action movies out there. I mean, like, okay, but here's the thing. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, probably to me, like, one of his best movies, you know? You know, Val Kilmer and, like, Robert Downey Jr. playing off each other. Brilliant. And then, like, okay, I didn't know that he made another movie. I didn't know it was going to star Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. And then, like, I was, like, thinking, like, okay, is this kind of like a sequel to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Or is it kind of like a spiritual successor? And at the same time, it's like, it's a very strong story. I liked it a lot. Uh, I basically like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, he's for... like the worst detective ever. He was, ever. Um, and like, even <laughs> like his daughter it. says it to his face, you're the worst detective ever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean like, I was watching it and I thought to myself like, okay, this movie feels a bit tropish. It feels a bit Shane Blackish. It's like, you know, it, it becomes kind of felt predictable. But the scene where Russell Crowe breaks his arm and Ryan Gosling <laughs> screams like a little bitch. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, this movie is fun all of a sudden. I want to pay attention and I loved every single second of it. How it was just going on its own tangents at the same time but but still brilliantly raining things in. Like even the scene where they're, they're, they're after this one like uh, girl who was yeah. missing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to spoil it at all but no, this don't, girl... Don't. Okay, she she's kind of like an activist who makes a kind of a movie and then like, you know, she's being hunted down by like, you know, this, this corporation and like, you know, the hitman going after her, like that random scene where the hitman is driving, like, oh, there she is. It's like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, like, that's insane, I mean, dude. Yeah. Okay, I mean, okay, I, I don't want to spoil anything else. Okay, like, it has moments like that. Like, I, I love how he's like, you kind of like assume certain tropes or certain things are going to occur. And it goes against its own, like, you know, I mean, it's a, it's not really a parody, but at the same time, it's just Shane Black telling you, like, okay, you know how you expect this to happen? Okay, we're just going to fuck with you, and now it's not going to happen. Okay, or something you, else happens. Okay, I, uh, there's one scene I'll say out of context. Remember the killer bee that popped up at the back of the car? Ah, what the f- <laughs> No, 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 no. This was established at the start when Ryan Gosling was reading news about killer bees. And, like, you African know, killer and, bees and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, God, please, I like those tidbits. It's like, wow, they actually went back to that. What the I mean, fuck? yeah, I mean, I like the fact that there's a lot of setup. There's a lot of, like, you know, there's a lot of setup and payoff. <laughs> yeah, and at the same it's time, so it's good. like, I mean, like, even that fucking scene where it's like, you know, he falls down the hill because he was pretending to do a stunt. Yeah, yeah. Remember, what do you do? Oh, I'm a stunt, man. And I'm, oh, shoot me. Bang, bang, bang. Ah, he, why did he do that? <laughs> Dude, you the know? guy had so much to drink. Dude, that part where he was at the mermaid with the mermaid, what the fuck, man? I was, was like, are you hungover? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, did you fall down the hill? No. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, but it's like, to me, probably, it's, it's not laugh out loud funny, but it's quirky and it's very... I would say I mean it's it's a, a very solid movie that I thoroughly enjoyed and I but I really feel like I need to watch it again because yeah I, I, I'm gonna I watch this, it again too after the show this, man I have this oh, feeling that there's parts I probably missed out I was I need to really pay attention to things but no shout outs to Russell Crowe and like you know Ryan Gosling I want to see a sequel to this movie I want because yeah. at the end they kind of teased like okay, I, there's not much of a spoiler but these two guys don't get along at first but at the end they learn to work as a team yep. And then it's like, at the end, you know, of course, uh, everything works out. And then like, these two guys, you know, they say like, yeah, we should work together. And they're like, yeah, I want to see the sequel. I want to see <laughs> yeah. what they do next. I want to see another nice guys. I, I mean, I I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can still afford Rosa Cora and Gosling. I mean, this, oh, those this guys are good. expensive. This <laughs> but this is good shit. I want to see this. I want to see. I'm surprised nice to see too. Kim Basinger in this show as well. As you know, the, the, let's, let's not the, tell the her. Let's not review. Right? Yeah. Let's not reveal. No, she's like the district attorney or something, right? Yeah. Council lady or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's 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 like a surprise appearance, you know, like 
Yeah, I mean, you see her in a bunch of these trailers and all that, these cop shows, all that, but wow, okay. Kim Basinger, I mean, like, still looking hot after all these years. <laughs> my, my favorite character is still Ryan Gosling's uh, daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, actress yeah. Angori Rice. Oh my gosh, she's funny. She's, she, she's she competent. Is, yeah. it's, a very, it's a good job, kid actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll go moved, far. You'll go you very far. You move the story along in a way that I didn't expect, you know. Because yeah. I thought she kind of came off at first as like, she's going to be an annoying girl who like gets in the way of her dad. But mm. she actually does more things. <laughs> yeah. She's way more useful than her dad. Yeah. <laughs> the dad yes. go around getting drunk in a, there's a porn, porno, star, porno star's party. Going in the mer- swimming with the mermaids. Oh, I mean, like okay, but like okay, let, let, I don't want to spoil too much about it. I mean, this movie is still kind of fresh to me. I mean, even yeah. though it came out in March or something last year. The, yeah, you guys gotta watch it if you if you're listening. If you to the missed show, out yeah. on the nice guys, go watch it. Okay, it's up there to me. To me, it's the other movie besides Sing Street you need to watch for 2016. Yeah, and, and Rogue One definitely. Rogue, yeah. but Rogue One, you've definitely all seen Rogue One, so I don't need to tell you to watch that. Yeah, I think we can cap off this right now because on the happy note. Yeah. Yes, finally. Yeah, I would say 2016 kind of sucky. Had its moments. Okay, let's just hope that 2017. Wait, I mean, just the amount of games, the amount of movies, the amount of shit that's gonna be happening this year. Yep, yep. And the inevitable world war that's gonna be incurred when Donald Trump actually forgets to press the tweet button and press the nuclear <laughs> button instead. Oh my god, <laughs> that will happen. That will happen. It's just a matter of when. Uh. We've got like a bunch of other games coming out and a bunch of movies coming out in the next, I mean, probably end of January. That's when all the stuff starts coming in. Okay, let's cap it off. What are you looking forward to most that's coming up around the corner? Oh, uh, Gravity Gravity Rush 2 for games. I really like how that, uh, I really love the first game. So hopefully the second game does the controls justice, does the whole open world thing justice, especially since it's going to be on the PS4 right now. As for films, I guess I can't go wrong. I like to see how the Beauty and the Beast does, but that's March though, so that's still far off. I mean, I don't have any predictions yet, you know, because I would say, I mean, games-wise, God of War is this year or next year? It is should be this year, but there's no year. announcement yet. It could be pushed back for all you know, mm. so. I mean, like, I'm looking forward to that kind of, because I'm a fan of the series. I didn't really like 3, though. I like 2 a lot. I really um, like Sword like to, to s- come back to in Street Fighter, hopefully. Oh, man. <laughs> I still yeah. have the Street Fighter Five train. So films wise, I don't know. There's gonna be a Star Wars movie this year, right? Episode yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight episode this eight. Year, right? Yep. This so year. like you know, if the, if if is anywhere as good as Rogue One, then we're fine. I would yeah. say that. But okay, like this has been our worst of 2016 and kind of best of we missed by accident 2016. Yep. The stuff that we kind of left in the back burner, we kind of need to get on that. But yeah, we actually covered it. So good job, guys. Good job. There's only two of us. I mean, there's only okay. so much time and movies and films and video games you can actually, you know, consume. Yeah. But yes, if you love what you're listening to, don't forget to follow us on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, and on the Instagrams. We are at The Last King, you know, at Last King Podcast. And the and website, thelastking.net. Which is going to go through some pretty amazing changes hopefully as you know we are definitely expanding and building the empire yep yep uh, in the meantime yeah uh, check it out check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud yes uh-huh. wow I nearly messed up saying SoundCloud I don't know why I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Spotify for some reason <laughs> oh, but I don't think they do podcasts we appear on Spotify that's the way we know we've made it yes really. I don't think they do podcasts they mostly do music right I mean they do podcasts with bigger entities like I'm pretty uh, sure we're, we're still small fry yeah. humble beginnings okay we're building our grassroots following yep, so please yep. yes you know show your love show your support let us know what you want to hear 
and uh, we'll be seeing you guys pretty soon. This has been your co-host, Dr. Shafiq. And this is Mr. Tafi signing out. Bye-bye.